Hello and welcome back to Users First. I'm your host, Alessio Ferracuti, UX designer and podcasters, and today I'm joined by Eva Lee, UX designer turned product manager and now runs her own startup as the co-founder. Eva is one of the top 1% mentor uh, recognized by the ADP list in 2022, and her startup is among the top 10 startups at the TELUS Innovation Challenges in 2021 and also uh, the top 26 startups in Canada. So big shout outs to Eva's company. And she also co-leaded a project that was ranked by Forbes as one of the top 30 tech innovative projects in the health category uh, category of uh, 2019. Our topic today focuses on what soft skills are important for you to build, how you can work best with others, and the career steps that you should be taking. But before jumping into the episode, I just wanted to give a big thanks to Balsamic Wireframing Academy for kindly sponsoring this episode. They basically provide practical training for creating more usable products using wireframes. They have a ton of free courses, guidelines, articles, video series, webinars. Um, I know they're even offering free mentorships. Uh, you can access all of that from their website, balsamic.com learn. I really suggest you check it out. It's definitely a wealth of information. If you find my episode insightful and want to listen to more amazing people like Eva and you're improving in UX design, please feel free to support our streaming expenses by going on our website, usersfirstpodcast.com. Eva, thank you so much for joining us. It is a true pleasure to have you here. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for the great introduction. I'm really excited to share some of the lessons that I have learned throughout my career. Um, I have done a lot of things, uh, as you, you may have we known. We can see. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. But I have also made a lot of mistakes. So today, I'm really excited to share some of the mistakes that I have made. And maybe you can learn something from it um, to kind of craft your own path and have a more smooth journey than mine. Absolutely. And thank you for doing that. They say that the most successful people have to fail uh, a thousand times before they can actually succeed and I'm really I'm really looking forward to see all the things that you've gone through before you got to found your own company and be a product manager uh, actually be- before before we jump into the topics um why don't you give us a, a quick rundown of how you got to the stage where you're at right now in your career yeah, absolutely. Um, funny enough, I went to school for engineering first. <laughs> Finally, I didn't love it. So I went to a design school. After I graduated, I started out as a UX designer. Um, you know, I did freelance, started my design agencies, I also worked for a big corporate like SAP. But later on, I found my passion in product management. At that time, I didn't really know it was product management. I was just someone who was really curious about the business and why we're prioritizing certain user problems and others because I want to know the bigger picture and it seems like that naturally falls into product management um, at that time I was working in a startup uh, so I had a lot of opportunities to wear different hats so I was doing a bit of the product ownership work without knowing I was actually doing them <laughs> um, so naturally I moved into product management officially later on uh, I, I really enjoyed it it's a sweet spot if you're someone who likes to to do a bit different things, take on different challenges, uh, because you work with engineers, designers, and also you know the business stakeholders. You really are kind of the well. The analogy they use is the mini CEO of, of mm-hmm. your product, right? 
Um, but uh, I, I think I've always have a passion in startups. So last year, uh, I actually co-founded a startup called Imisearch, where we are dabbling into the immigration space. We want to democratize the immigration space by making it easier for immigrants to navigate the complex immigration system. Um, I can tell you more about it, but today is about the lessons. So I co-founded this startup. Uh, the reason why I did that was because I am an immigrant myself too. Uh, I immigrated to Canada from Hong Kong when I was 16. I first had experienced the challenges uh, an immigrant has to face. And I really just want to do something that can allow or enable immigrants to maximize their you know, the chance of success, because we already have so many challenges. So that it happens to that, um, I'm solving a problem in the immigration space, because it is one of the most stressful, I guess, uh, checkpoint that an immigrant right. has to go through. So at Image that's all we're doing. Uh, we, uh, we, we're two years old now, I quit my full time job just last year. Uh, it was a great job, I left it so that I can devote myself 100% uh, onto uh, my startup. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Really, that's beautiful to hear. And it's not just about you uh, having your own company and having these uh, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial spirit, but it's also about helping other people, which is very gratifying. And not every business does this. And I, I completely relate to the immigration process because I've been an immigrant for, for many years now. I've, um, I've immigrated to Canada myself, so I understand the process 100%. Right. I, I know all of the challenges that there is. I also immigrated in the United Kingdom. And oh, big difference, by the way, in the United Kingdom is a lot easier. So this is something that um, I realized that there is a lot in the US and in Canada. The, 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 the immigration process is so difficult. And you have so many questions about what do I do now? Can my brother come here? Can, you know, can I join other people? And so on. So um, amazing work there. And Eva, um, in your career, uh, what do you feel are uh, some some of the skills that uh, the people um, that you feel like are very important to learn? Because uh, you know how they say nowadays uh, there is a uh, hard skills and soft skills, and some people are saying that soft skills are more important than hard skills. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I 100% agree on that. That soft skills are more important, uh, and I I think that is also harder to master. Uh, versus technical skills, hard skill, for example, as a designer, is where you learn how to, um, you know, prototype or create wireframes. Mm. You can study, you can study uh, design libraries or systems out there. There's more a structured way to, to study it. As you practice more, you probably will be able to, you know, create a beautiful mm. prototype like many we've seen on Drupal. But the reason <laughs> why, um, you know, just by looking at those beautiful prototypes doesn't really tell me whether you're a good designer or not. It's because I think the value the designer brings in to a team, it's way more than you know, your wireframing skill. It's much more the soft skills. Can you identify the problem? And in order to do that, you need to be able to work with different stakeholders, navigate into a specific domain industry they're working in, and also manage you know, your team. Because I've seen lots of talented the designers, they have great ideas, but they struggle. It's like, how do I bring this to life? I don't know how to push my idea. I don't want to be too pushy uh, when the developers or my product manager says, 
we can't or we don't have the resources or they simply don't understand why it is so important to have that design element. So I think soft skills is 100% very important. And I wish that uh, you know schools will put more emphasis mm. on the soft skill side. We were put into projects, you know, we work with other teammates, but it's quite different when you come out to real work, real life work environment, working with different stakeholders where people actually carry different things versus when you're in school, you're working with your friends, uh, most of you are designers in that class. So it's a bit of different dynamic. Um, so 100% soft skills, so important. And that's why today I hope to share some of the I guess, lessons that I've learned, mostly, mostly focusing on non-academic non or non-technical skills. So much, much more focusing on the soft skill side. Love it, love it, and that's why and that's why you were invited to the podcast to share very practical <laughs> skills. And to be honest, they're the most invaluable skills. Like uh, the, the these practical skills that you learn by failing and and uh, having a business and uh, trying out different uh, things and and careers and speaking to hundreds and thousands of people. That's how you learn these skills. What do you feel are um, What do you feel are the most the most important soft skills that you that you can have? Yeah, I guess one of the main thing is how to manage your stakeholders. So in the past, when I just first started out, obviously um, we 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 were I was a bit scared as I want to make sure my stakeholders are happy. You know, it it felt like it was a reflection on my competency. If I can't keep them happy, am I doing a bad job? So in the past, in a lot of meetings, uh, for example, if we are uh, doing ideation mm -hmm. or trying to, you know choose a solution to implement i do this method called uh, just a simple voting prioritization very simple you know you come up with your criteria whether there's value or effort and then get stakeholders to vote on those items it's a great method however i think the mistake i've made is i always go with the top voting voted item hmm. so you know kind of like oh the top voted idea is the best idea let's just do that it sounds straightforward, but actually that's not really the best way to move forward mm. because in a lot of settings, uh, we I was the only designer in those meetings. Um, and to many other designers, they've also probably be the only designer for that feature or for that product. So you already have the least amount of vote to begin with. <laughs> um, so how, how, how do you really push um, uh, that? That, that design element, the usability that you envision. So don't always go with, you know, the top voted, um, I guess, top voted idea. Don't try to please your stakeholder. Um, managing your stakeholders doesn't mean that uh, you have to please them. You should treat them as a source of data and a way to get feedback. So when you're talking to the stakeholders, understand where they're coming from, why they're giving those input. Um, you don't have to draw a conclusion okay let's do that you can you know take a step back consolidate all the data from all the stakeholders and make sure you are actually executing the most valuable things for the business and also for the end users mm -hmm. why why do you feel that people uh give in right away and they do not they do not go into the confrontation type of mode because whenever whenever you are Whenever you're questioning something to the stakeholders, you're basically you're basically um, starting a confrontation. Why do you feel people don't feel comfortable doing that? 
yeah so it relates to you know the fact that being a designer sometimes is a bit of a lonely journey in a lot of uh, the big meetings because again you're the only designers uh, you may even be someone who hasn't worked as long as the other stakeholders other stakeholders might be the domain experts so they they know the domain inside out so you feel a little intimidated because you just don't know everything there is to know about the domain so naturally you felt like you you just don't know enough to push that, you know, that design decision or even just to voice, um, you know, what you're thinking. And for a lot of junior designers, they, they're scared, you know, it's a scary mm. meeting uh, where there are a lot of other stakeholders they may not have interacted with. Uh, so that's also something I felt like what differentiates a junior versus a senior uh, designer. A senior designer knows how to navigate those conversations, knows that when they voice, you know, when they share the design opinion, even though that is against what uh, the stakeholders are thinking, that doesn't mm-hmm. reflect, you know, the, the fact that they, they, they're incompetent. In fact, I think that's actually one of the most valuable thing a senior designer can bring to the table. So in short, uh, you know, younger designers, we feel insecure. We don't want to be too pushy and perceived as someone, you know, difficult to work with. But I think we just need to shift our mentality a little bit. You know, it's not really pushing <laughs> about pushing or being right or wrong. It's just you are sharing what you think. And also this is an opportunity to educate uh, your team because they may not be, um, you know, they may not be exposed to design concept as much as you do. So, you know, you're simply sharing what you know to the rest of the team. Right, right. And now that you're telling me this, uh, it's kind of been making me think about um, how hard it can be sometimes to work with people that come from different backgrounds, like like maybe engineers or maybe developers. And uh, they, you know, they're used to in a different uh, type of way uh, sometimes they they don't look at uh, as many opportunities as we do uh, what are your tips on on how to work with uh, with with people like engineers developers or uh, product managers yeah that's a very good question I would say just have empathy you know knowing why they have those pushback because something I I guess a mistake I've made in the past I, I sometimes felt like oh Every time I go to a design meeting, I already know what the developers are going to say. They're going to say no. or Always. Say, it's going to, right? <laughs> it's that kind of feeling. So you weren't excited already before you go into the meeting. Mm. Uh, but after um, I started kind of doing my own startup and I had to pick up a lot of development work myself. So I started, I guess, having uh, to put myself in their shoes and also do a bit of development work myself so i now have way more empathy towards developer i understand why they have those pushback it's because if you change one little thing on your mock-up you know it takes Uh you a few seconds to change it but it takes them hours or days to implement it and they have to rethink maybe even the architecture how that affects the system that they're building so just having that empathy knowing that how your decision may affect you know days of their work they might even need to you know throw away some of the work they have done because you made that change so just have that empathy um yeah don't feel like they are always going against design i think everyone Mm -hmm. in the team always have the best interest of our end users that's why we're together as a product team we're trying to shift uh, sorry we're trying to ship products that uh, have value to our end users so 
go in with empathy yeah. and also just be open, you know, uh, share what you thought, what, what you think. Most of the engineers and other people I work with, they're really open to listen to what you have to say. Um, it's also, I guess, other they than are. having those big meetings, I would recommend mm -hmm. designers to have like one-on-one -on -one sessions with engineers and PMs to start building up relationship so that they know what you're coming from. And also, you know, uh, it's much easier to move the needle when, when you actually, uh, you have, you, you had a chance to get to know each other. Yeah. And I like, I like the, 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 the perspective that you see on this because it's, um, that that's why that's why we're talking about soft skills here because uh the way the way that you can impact others is by understanding their needs uh by listening to them uh understanding the fact that you know it took them such a long time to build something and um and now that you're coming in and giving suggestions on the signs um and it's to and it's to kind of feed the needs of everybody and that's that's kind of uh, what I feel like a lot of people struggle in, and even myself, it's finding this perfect balance of confrontation and also like being understanding. Mm -hmm. It's like you have to be able to you have to be able to push them in the right direction without being too pushy, like like you said earlier. But also uh, making sure that you understand them, and that comes a lot. In my experience, it comes a lot. I managed to develop that a lot by um reading a lot of books on um on uh on like just self-development skills i don't know mm -hmm. if you ever read the, this book called how to influence people uh how do we how to win other people and influence others stuff like that i don't remember mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and that really helps a lot with this type of skills like in order to you know make sure you can persuade people you have to understand you have to understand their needs and make sure that they're they also uh, know that they're understood. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I will share like a little story of my own <laughs> when I made a okay. mistake. Um, <clears throat> when I first transitioned into a new product owner role, um, I had some conflicts with one of the key uh, developer. He was the development lead. Um, it just felt like everything, it felt like everything I said that he would disagree with or he would put mm. holes, um, even comment on my work in front of the team. So it was oh. really difficult, uh, you know, it was really difficult to kind of have any influence on the team. But I, I would recommend if anyone shared the same struggle, go down, go back to the basic, just really have a one-on-one -on -one chat. I know it sounds maybe pretty straightforward, <laughs> you know, just talk to mm -hmm. them. But it, it, sometimes we often overlook because we weren't excited to talk to this person right and hence we don't want to have one-on-ones but it's yeah. so crucial you know to get to that, that no person why is he criticizing on specific things um and it turned out in the end i found out why it was because uh it felt like i didn't uh, take in his input like for example yeah. when i was prioritizing the backlog i present as it is, as how I would prioritize it. Uh, he didn't feel like I was uh, trying to get his input. So later on, what I did is uh, before I present the backlog to the team, I talked to him first. You know, it takes like 30 minutes, really, just to chat. Oh, is that what you think? So he felt way more involved and included. 
And then once we get the ball rolling, in the end, he said, you know, I, I don't even need to sit in those meetings. You don't have to review that with me. So it's really just about understanding where they're coming from, make them feel heard, uh, feel involved, kind of like a stakeholder, right? You mm-hmm. know, you, you want to treat them as a source of, you know, feedback. So that that's kind of what I would recommend other designers to do when, when they're having a hard time, try to find out what's, what the root, root cause is. Oh, wonderful example. Absolutely love it. So build empathy and have one-on-one session with everybody in your team, really, to build relationships. Um, by, making, make it, my, by making people feel heard, you can uh, persuade them a lot better. And it's going to be a lot beneficial for you, for the team, uh, for everybody in your organization, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another concept, I guess we weren't really told was like, I asked people to, you know, find a champion internally, if, mm. if you haven't already. Um, you know, the, the word champion is usually referred as the custom champion. So in B2B sector, when you have a custom champion means that that's someone, a customer closely work with you as the business um, to implement whatever feature you want. For example, for Salesforce, um, someone who works from Salesforce, they will have a customer champion from a business to implement Salesforce mm. internally for them, right? So similarly, it, it will be good to have an internal champion. That means that someone you can bounce ideas with, uh, someone who can introduce you to other stakeholders. Uh, usually, I would prefer that champion to be, to be your PM, just because PM naturally uh, interact with a lot of stakeholders already ah. so you if you have a good relationship with your pm it's just much easier to navigate that space for example if you want to uh, kick off a research project or do customer interview how, how do you even get access to those users so you have hmm. to talk to a bunch of people to get to that point right or you know you have to talk to uh, maybe marketing or whoever has those contact lists and you might have to talk to legal, like you said, okay, to talk to them, do they need to sign the A? You know, as simple as just saying, you know, I want to do user interview, you acquire quite a bit of steps and just having that champion internally that can point you to the right direction, just going to save you a lot more time. Absolutely. I also believe that bringing that alignment between product managers and, and designers is extremely crucial for, for the project that you're involved in at the time. And if you're keen to learning more about how to build this relationship with the product managers and designers and be able to work side by side, I'm listening to the description of the episode, an article by Balsamic Warframing Academy on how you can make that possible, how you can collaborate, communicate, and resolve conflicts effectively with product managers. Uh, link in the description again. Feel free to check it out at the end of the episode. Um, Eva, what do you feel? Um, what do you feel are like some steps that people should take in their career when uh, people are in the beginning? They're junior designers or they're interns, and uh, you know they're trying to understand which directions they should go in their career. And it's very hard because like there are so many job opportunities out there, and mm-hmm. it's, it's like you go on LinkedIn and you see like hundreds of thousands of things, and you get super excited. You just want to apply to all of them, but realistically, you don't have the time to do that. <laughs> so you have to filter yeah. out what companies you you have to apply for. Um, what suggestions do you have for that? Yeah, I, I would suggest, obviously, if they are really interested in a specific industry or a product, you know, go for it. But I think most uh, designers, junior designers I have met, they're pretty open to any opportunity because they 
they are just starting out. So one thing I would recommend is work for a company where you think that um, you can find a good mentor. Because mm. I think it's really, really hard when you just are starting pretty fresh. And if you work in, a, uh, for example, a startup environment where you are the only designer, but you're yeah. just starting out. So you're going to make tons of mistakes. You know, you're going to grow. You're going to learn. You overcome all the challenges. But it's really depending on your style. I would recommend they go with an environment where there's an established design team so they can already show you, you know, how things could be and, and down the road, then you can kind of tweak it as you go. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, work for a company that has a great manager or has a good uh, design mentor that can help you out so that you are set on a path to success versus if you work in a startup, which you could, uh, that that's just going to be a lot more hurdles to hmm. overcome. But the rewarding part is that obviously it's usually more fast paced and also you, you have a lot more impact and influence on that. Another thing I often ask um, the junior designers to think about is, do you want to go into B2B or B2C uh, sector they are quite different for b2b business to business um, so obviously it's a company maybe providing services or selling products to another business versus b2b is like business to uh, consumers so like you know mobile apps or or any kind of consumer facing apps so the main difference between the two is like maybe b2b um it has longer uh, launch cycle meaning uh, the you will take a bit longer for you mm. to see the impact on your design. But in, on the other hand, you could be really rewarding because um, the software that you made, I don't know, if you work for Jira mm. or Alassian, for example, some of your users are spending hours every day on that software. So, you know, a design decision or a solution that you help implement could have a huge mm. impact on their day-to-day. -day. Um, so that's something for B2B. Versus for B2C, it might be more fast-paced. I think it has higher expectation for UI and usability because, you know, we as consumers, we have very little patience to bad design. If we see bad design, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to use this app anymore. So that <laughs> might be slightly different. Um, as like, as a designer, what do you care about? Are you someone who is really interested in like UI interaction mm. design, bring delightful experience to the end user, or you're someone who really interested in complex business model, uh, business problems. So that would be something I will uh, ask junior designers to think about, because that was something I didn't think about. I just went in, uh, take, take, took one of the jobs uh, because I liked the team. That was kind of it. <laughs> and I didn't know that would have a significant impact on my future career because wow. of you know the the experience that I have there it was much easier for me to transition in b2 like to go into b2b in which is most uh, I guess most of the companies that I work for they were all b2b which makes sense right you know you, you have worked in that sector you understand how that works uh, it's not a hard requirement if you want to like for example in the future go to b2c uh, obviously other candidates may have more experience in the into the b2c sector they may stand out just a little bit more so it's just something for junior designers to think about right i love it and uh which one do, did you feel that you learned the most for uh, b2b or b2c i think it's hard to say you know <laughs> one <laughs> of them is better uh, i did start out in b2b and i enjoyed it it is a pretty interesting space uh, but again, I think it depends on what you enjoy. If you are someone who's strong in UI interaction, maybe B2C is your thing. 
B2B, B2B, the design problem you solve often don't like you, you can't really find anything online type of thing for B2B because mm-hmm. it's very specific to the business, right? Versus B2C, like e-commerce, you know, the e-commerce checkout uh, design patterns are really well established. You don't have to reinvent the wheel kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's the biggest problem I have every every single day because I design SaaS software and I always have to come up with something that is not out there. Or Right, it's not out there. <laughs> well, but, but that's fun, right? You're like, you own your solution, you know, you have to kind of craft it from, from scratch. There's nothing yeah. online you can copy. You that's know, true. From. You have to be very creative. Like, you have to, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but but you have to be creative enough to come up with your own solution from mm-hmm. understanding the problem to uh, making the actual wireframe. So it's a, it's a big challenge. But every time I work on some project that is B2C, I can feel... I can feel a, a lot more relieved because I, I can feel the support <laughs> yeah. that I have on Dribbble or uh, right, anywhere right. really. <laughs> yes. It's a lot easier. <laughs> That's a very good point, yes. <laughs> Beautiful. And, you know, I, I love your point on, uh, on everything that we talked about. So, uh, you know, if I were to get out of this episode with some uh, learnings, I would be uh, understanding that building empathy is crucial uh, whenever working a team with uh, product managers or developers or engineers and having uh, one-on-one sessions with people, making sure they, uh, they, they are heard. Uh, it can really impact uh, the way that you work and the way that they look at you. So it's very important to take the time to understand other people and utilize your uh, product manager as a champion. So have a person that keeps you aligned with everything that is going on in your, in your company and have a mentor. Uh, have someone that guides you through the process of becoming a great product designer. And then in the end, uh, decide what's best for you. Is it B2B or is it B2C? Uh, but eventually, the more you learn and fail, the, the faster you grow. Right, Eba? Yeah, so absolutely. You have to try it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Um, last question. What's, what's, what's your biggest failure in your career? That made you learn the fastest or made you uh, learn the most? What do you what is it that you failed at that made you learn the most? That that's a tough one. <laughs> so many, so Unexpected. Many which one? Which one? <laughs> um trying to think. I, I would say, yeah, it's back to kind of the stakeholder management. Um it was quite challenging when I first transitioned into product management role. Um, I, I felt like, you know, I had an imposter syndrome moment, you know, mm. was I good enough for the job? So the mistake I have made is I wanted to establish my authority, you know, mm. showing my team that, you know, I know what I'm doing. I can do this type of thing. So in return, I was resistant in taking feedback. And also when someone didn't like my idea, or you know have different opinion I was I felt insecure I wasn't I guess I I didn't handle it properly so we went into a lot of not argument but discussions I would say that could have gone more smoothly so uh, after a while you know I took in reflection and also I've uh, just learned so much in my new role uh, growing more confidence that I felt like I don't need people to say yes or say 
um, you know, compliment on my idea to make me feel like I'm doing a good job. So mm-hmm. I took a step back again, just a lot of conversation one-on-ones with people understand where they're coming from. Uh, another thing is, you know, it's okay that when you're transitioning into a new role, a lot of times we felt really pressured to prove mm-hmm. ourselves. But it's okay because I think people believe in you. That's why they give you that promotion or, or that position. And it's expected that the first three to six months that you are kind of in the onboarding process, nobody really expect you to like make a, I guess, a life-changing, uh, I don't know, decision or something drastically different for, for the business or the team. So don't put too much pressure because when you do that, I see myself and I see other new team leads, they put so much pressure on themselves and you would turn uh, because they're so, I guess, stressed. Uh, they're more resistant to feedback and it was actually more difficult to work with them because they, I think they felt like they need to say no to certain mm. things to establish establish that authority but in return it's, it's just not doing any parties well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> love it okay brilliant so yeah that comes that comes a lot with building up confidence and i think that process of building up confidence it it, it takes it takes time because the the better designer you get the more confidence you gain but in the beginning of i think it's perfectly normal to lack um in this aspect of confidence but um, having an open mind towards feedback is how you you get better so if you if you don't become open minded then you you're not going to become a better designer and you're not going to become confident so that's how you overcame it you were you started being more open to feedback and, and now you're a great product manager and a founder of a company <laughs> and uh, like it was such a pleasure to have you here Eva um I'm really really honored that uh, that you took the time to do this today that was fantastic yeah thanks for having me it's a blast you know love to talk about uh, design things or just chat with another designer in general so thank you so much for having me here today it's exciting um and again thanks again that was um that was eva lee product manager and co-founder of imi search and if you enjoyed this episode and learned something useful uh help me out and follow us on spotify and on the apple podcast as well leave us a review if you like and if you want to learn more about uh, job opportunities and uh, ways that you can get into the field or stepping up in your career, I can uh, help you out with some private mentorships and I will teach you the ropes of uh, improving your soft skills and getting that sweet job that you've been dreaming about. Thanks again for listening to Users First. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, and wherever you're listening from. Bye-bye.